Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I'm your host, Surreal Gerald Quinn. On this 7th of May, 2020, hope everybody, I hope everybody out there is being safe, listening to the health experts and the doctors and not the politicians. But anyway, we are continuing our look at Chicago Bulls playoff classics um, today. We are going to look back at game five of the 1997 NBA Finals, the flu game. Um, a very, nah, I'm going to say controversial game, but a very, uh, one, a game that sticks out, especially the second time around um, as the Bulls are trying to repeat. Um, which, which on the back end of Michael Jordan's career where they go three straight championships. Of course, they're coming off a season where they broke the records and went 72-10, and 10, rolled through the playoffs for the most part in, the, in 96, and they go through a regular season at almost just as good as they were the previous year. They're 69-13 in 1997. They almost – won 70 games, um, lost a, a game at home late to Indiana in April. It might have been like the last weekend of the season. I, I, I remember the game because the Bulls were actually <laughs> – it was funny because like that game, it was a game where you thought the Bulls were – I'm not going to say not trying to win. I, it, it seemed like it was trying – like they were trying to rest and – and uh, get people ready for the playoffs. And then, but then the game was close enough to a point to where it was like, oh, we can actually win this. And they tried their hardest to win the game, especially in the fourth quarter. Indiana had a big lead. The Bulls almost came back, but Indiana held on. Um, that was, of course, in 1997. Indiana held on and um, won the game and uh, to prevent the Bulls from being the first, te- first and only team in NBA history to win 70 games going uh, back-to-back years. But anyway... They're 69 13. This playoff run, they would end up going 15 and 4 in route to a championship in 97, of course. But without, but by far, um, throughout the course of this playoffs, the 97 playoffs, this, this Utah matchup was their toughest matchup, was their toughest series. Uh, Utah was coming in at 64 and 18, for the most part, had rolled through the Western Conference playoffs, um, had a tough series. Versus Houston, it was two-two. Of course, you know Game Six in Houston, John Stockton hits the clutch three to send Utah to the championship, to the finals for the first time in their franchise's history. This is Stockton and Malone, Malone's first finals appearance. Um, Malone and Stockton. Malone is the MVP this year. Was the MVP this year, which he should not have been. He should not be. Shouldn't have beat out Jordan uh, for MVP that year. But it was one. It was probably the first time that we had a narrative MVP award winner. Like I think Jackie McMullen wrote a column in Sports Illustrated that year saying basically, why well, couldn't Carl Malone be the MVP? And that kind of got the narrative rolling of, hey, Carl Malone's never won an MVP. He's been a great player for years, even though Jordan clearly was the best player in the league. And even though Jordan was, was on a team that won 69 games, it, that, that MVP has not aged well, to say the least. That Carl Malone MVP in 1997 has not aged well. I don't think either one of Carl Malone's MVPs have aged well, to be honest with you. I can make a real strong case. He won one in 97, won one in 99. 
the, the, the lockout shortened season, I can make a case that he didn't deserve either one of those MVPs. I can really make that case. But in 97, Michael Jordan should have been should have been the MVP. Um, probably make a stronger case for Carl Malone winning the following year when Utah had the best record, um, to be honest with you. But he wins the MVP this year. He won the MVP in 97. Uh, he's at the top, and he's still a top five player at that point, or probably the second best player. This is 1997, probably the second best player in the world at this point. Um, Shaq is in there. Um, Robbins is on the down, is on decline. Uh, again, Kobe and those guys and whatnot, and McGrady and some of those guys were too young at that point. Um, Peyton was on the come up. So, yeah, I mean, the league was the league was in a very interesting place as far as there was a transition coming as far as these younger players and this next generation of players that were coming into their own. Um, Hardaway was just, was coming, you know, Penny, a guy like Penny Hardaway was coming off an injury. So he was about to hit a, hit a spot in his career to where he's about to, he's about to fall off. Grant Hill was, uh, was rolling at that point in his career. Uh, first team all NBA caliber player. Um, but a lot of these games were, we were still, we were, we were, we were in the midst of games that were just flat out ugly. I mean, I'm talking about in the nineties, uh, in the mid, mid to late eighties, mid to early nineties, uh, in terms of these scores. Matter of fact, during this broadcast, you heard, uh, Bill Walton and this broadcast that was Marv Albert, Bill Walton and Matt Gukas, a good broadcast. Cause I, I love Bill Walton, uh, for his, <laughs> for some of his commentary of Elias commentary, but they were talking about the strategies as far as Chicago wanting to keep this game in the 80s and Utah wanting to get the game in the early 90s. Like, like that's that was the talk. And if you watch this game, as I did, this was a slow-paced game. This game was played at, played at a pace at about, like, 87.5 or something. It was a very slow pace. It was, it was a slow to a crawl which clearly favored the Chicago Bulls. Now, coming into this game, this, of course, is the, 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 the famous, or for some fans, the infamous flu game. So give you some background on the story. Michael Jordan, the night before, um, orders, you know, orders some pizza. Now, apparently, it was late at night. No places to order. No, my, uh, Michael had the munchies, apparently. He orders a pizza. Um, Tim Grober, his longtime trainer, personal trainer, NBA has become a world uh, 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 NBA renowned trainer. Has trained all uh, just all kinds of players. Dwayne Wade's trainer has worked with some of the best players in the league. Tim Grover was Jordan's guy as a trainer. I mean, he got Jordan into the weights and things of that nature, and helped get him, get him ready, getting them ready for the Pistons over in, in the early '90s. So Grover was uh, Jordan's guy. He's in his room. They ordered a pizza. Grover tells a story in this article, uh, in a Bleacher Report article that I read a couple, I read a couple of days ago, that he had a bad feeling about the pizza. That five guys delivered delivered this pizza. Now, and I'm not talking five guys at the restaurant. I'm talking about five actual guys delivered a pizza. Jordan eats the pizza, and like a couple hours later in the middle of the night, Jordan is killed over in a fetal position. He's throwing up, he temperature skyrockets, and 
you know, basically all hell breaks loose from that standpoint of, of Jordan physically. Now, that story came out years later. Um, initially, it was, it was, I mean, the, this, the flu, this whole flu thing stuck, stuck for, for a long time. There was a flu game. But according to Grover, Tim Grover, it was a, it was food poisoning. Now, we're talking Michael Jordan here. And we're talking about the most famous athlete in the world by far at that point in time in 1997 or throughout the mid 90s, just throughout the mid 90s. I mean, Jordan is the, you know, he, he's at a stage in his career, even though he's at the latter part, you know, on the back end of his career, he is still the most famous athlete in the world. Um, he still had that kind of, that, that, that sort of appeal. And uh, it, it, it's remarkable to think that Michael Jordan, the Michael Jordan had to settle for eating a takeout, for eating takeout. Like there was no personal chef. There was no, uh, they didn't plan ahead in terms of, all right, I'm gonna eat. Yeah, at seven o'clock, go to bed at 10 or 11, be up, eat breakfast. I, I, a lot of things come to mind. It's, it's a very shaky story. Very shaky story. And I, I honestly believe that they would have been better off leaving it at as a flu game. Like they like the the whole idea that they're again that they're trying to that, that Grover and company are trying to come up with this conspiracy theory that that uh that that Jordan was poisoned by someone in Utah, uh has not aged well. Has not aged well, and they would have been better off just leaving it as he just had flu and let that you know let us, you know let us run with that or let us you know just let that go. Let just let that go in the, into the ether. Um, the food poison thing, I just didn't sound right to me. It just it just didn't didn't make didn't make a lot of sense because I, because I'm thinking like this is Michael Jordan. You couldn't get him. I he waited. He weighed this late to eat. Again, Jordan was a meticulous, I mean, Jordan was a workout fiend. Jordan was a guy who, I know he was playing a lot of golf, smoking cigars, things of that nature, but Jordan was organized. Um, maybe not on a level of, say, Kobe Bryant being OCD, but still, I mean, Jordan was in tip-top shape. His conditioning, Jordan rarely got tired uh, during games um, at times, rarely got tired. He was able to play heavy minutes, especially in the playoffs. And you just wouldn't think, this story just didn't make too much sense to me and probably would, would have been in the best interest of Michael Jordan. And if you're a part of Jordan, if you were a part of the Jordan camp, the story not even going to come out. But it did come out, it came out. Uh, getting back to getting back to 1997, leading into the game, that's all everybody's talking about. Um, you know, J Jordan from start to finish. You know, you had the cameras on him. Uh, he somewhat looked out of it. I'll be honest with you. If, if watching this game, if I were to turn the sound down, if I didn't know anything about the background story of this, I would not have been able to, to really tell. That Michael Jordan was that was that sick. I'm, beyond, I'm just gonna be completely honest with you. Until the end of the game, where it got a little dramatic, dramatic, and Jordan had to play up the, the, the theatrics, which is you know classic Jordan playing it up, and we'll, we'll get to that. 
So you have that going on um, during the broadcast. Again, a fun broadcast because it was a perfect balance. I mean, Marv Albert is the great, greatest play-by-play basketball person, uh, color basketball play-by-play guy in the history of the sport. Bill Walton is Bill Walton. Like every, every, I've never, there's never ever been a dull Bill Walton broadcast. And you had Matty Yukis kind of like, you know, that calm, just going to give the straight basket basketball facts. Uh, the coaching aspect, even though he wasn't a good, he wasn't a very good coach, but it was a nice balance of of a broadcast, and I thought it was a, it was a it was an excellent broadcast uh, during the course of the game. Um, Utah comes in again, sixty four and fourteen eighteen. Utah is you know went to the finals in back to back years. They go to the finals. In 96, 97, they go to the finals in 98. Utah had a stretch. They had a four-year stretch where they won from 95 to 98, where they won 60, 55, 64, and 62 games. And they really took advantage of a Western Conference that was not as potent as it would be as it was in, say, the early 2000s, the Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille Neal era, they're catching the Western Conference at a good time because Houston, Houston was on a decline. Olajuwon's older at this day, at this point. Barkley was is on his way to being done, so they catch him at a good time. The Lakers were not ready. Kobe Bryant again at this point is like 18 years old. Uh, the second best player is like Nick Van Exel. Okay, even though they had a lot of talent, just wasn't quite ready to make that jump. Seattle is starting to decline. Um, they take out, they take out uh, Seattle starting to decline. Seattle's not the team that they were, of course, in 1996. Um, Utah took them out. Um, not Utah didn't take, they didn't face Seattle. Utah, Houston beat Seattle in the playoffs that year. But again, Seattle is, comes down after making the finals in 1996. So, uh, Utah really caught the Western Conference at a good time. San Antonio was not San Antonio at this point. Remember, this was the matter of fact. This was the year they finished like they basically tanked and uh, were able to get Tim Duncan the next year. His rookie season was ninety seven, ninety eight. So, you look at the landscape of the Western Conference. It is perfect for Utah to make a run to the championship and to win a whole bunch of games, which they did. And they took they took advantage they took advantage of it. Now this is game five. The series is tied at two. Utah is coming off two straight victories. Um, game four, John Stockton was was tremendous. He makes the famous pass to Long, the, the football pass to Carl Malone. Carl Malone lays it up, and Utah is coming into this game feeling good about themselves. They um, and again that game four was uh, was a was a, a, a slugfest to say at least. I mean, they won 78 to 73. Chicago had a late lead, but could not finish the game. Look fatigue. They looked fatigue in, uh, uh, in that fourth quarter, that game four. So Utah comes into this game feeling good about itself. Uh, Utah jumps out in this first quarter, uh, 18 to eight, finishes the quarter at 29-16. Um, again, you had Chicago just looking in the first quarter, looking completely discombobulated. I mean, everybody outside of Jordan looked lost in the looked lost in the game. 
uh, Utah is, you know, basically, you know, Utah is getting contributions. Malone came out playing well. You had you had you some of Utah role, Utah's role players, Chris Morris come out came out would make it get some baskets, um, and really it took Chicago a full quarter to get into this game. It took them a full quarter to get into this game. Second quarter, second quarter, Chicago locks in offensively, has the best quarter of either one that either one of these teams would have over the course of this game. They scored thirty three points. You get they they start um, late in the quarter. They start posting up Pippen. Um, start posting up Pippen. They also take advantage of, of a dumb foul by Carl Malone in the second quarter, which sit, he, he sits out the last two to two minutes of the second quarter. Uh, Jordan has a big half, twenty one points. Uh, that had twenty one points, and Utah's lead goes from a thirteen point lead in the first quarter to a four-point halftime lead, um, four-point lead at, ha- at, you know, at the half. Again, Utah, you know, you look at this game, and I'm going to get to why Utah lost this game, and it's kind of, it's going to be, it's, it's kind of connecting with why Indiana lost to Chicago, the would, would lose to Chicago the following year in the 98 and then 98, 98 uh, Eastern Conference uh, Finals in Game 7. Um, Utah had a hard time just generating offense. And, you know, you look at when Chicago's defense locked in. and Like, Chicago's defense in this game had one bad quarter. First quarter, they give up 29 points. After that, um, you look at uh, – the score Utah scoring in the in, in, in the game in the uh, game and you know they they were struggling to get I'm scrolling down here Utah would end up scoring Utah struggled to crack 20 points for the rest of the game, a quarter for the rest of the game. They got, they were, they were 29, 24, 19, and 16 over the course of, over the course of the game. So they got progressively worse throughout the course of the game. They got progressively worse in terms of their offense. And, you know, Chicago, Chicago's defense at that point was by far the best in the league. Uh, Chicago's defense was a defense that could switch everything. You're talking about Jordan, Pippen, Harper, Rodney. So those four guys could switch everything. And those four guys, like three three of those guys could play three positions. I mean, Scottie Pippen could play four positions. Dennis Rodman could play guard three positions. Harper could play your, could, could guard three positions. All those guys were versatile, versatile defensive players. All of those guys could switch off everything. And look at look at the course of this game. They just completely took Utah out of his offense. Like they they destroyed Utah's pick and roll. The pick it was not a good matchup for Utah because the Utah was 
better, maybe better, the best pick and roll team ever. Stockton Malone pick and roll, maybe the greatest pick and roll of all of all time. But it didn't matter a team like against a team like Chicago. It didn't matter because they could just switch everything. And those guys were were as versatile in terms of Jordan Pippen, Harper, to where they can where they could switch everything, and they were athletic. And Utah was not athletic, um, so you could see why Chicago Utah came up small in both years against uh, against uh, Chicago. It just was not a good. It was just not a good matchup. Uh, physically, it just wasn't wasn't a good matchup, and I think against against Chicago, uh, that Chicago particular Chicago team, especially in, in from '96 to '98, you kind of had to think outside the box with some of your schemes and things of that nature. I don't think you were just going to beat Chicago with a conventional offense or a system or or a system because they just were. That's how lethal they were defensively. Uh, third quarter comes out, and Jordan clearly he only has two points in the third quarter, but there's no question to me that watching that that he is pacing himself in that third quarter. And no, he didn't look sick, but he you could tell he was walking, walking on offense. He seemed I'm not gonna say he wasn't playing hard, but you could just look just I mean you could just look look at the game, just tell that he's he's getting himself geared for that fourth quarter for a fourth quarter run. And Utah um only added one point to his fourth quarter to his to his halftime lead. So it's 72-67 at the end of the third quarter. Chicago has gotten Scotty Pippen, gets Scotty Pippen going in that third quarter with some post-ups, which which Utah had no answer for. Uh, when they went, when they decided to post up Pippen or even decided to post up Jordan, it was mainly Pippen in that third quarter. Malone picks up a, 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 a just a silly fourth foul uh, in that third in that in that third quarter. So he has to go sit. When Malone sat, Utah was horrible in this game. Just go look at the numbers, the plus minus numbers, and again, and here's why you talk about. Stockton, and it's been coming up lately, the Stockton-Isaiah comparison because of the dream team and Isaiah being kept off the team and Stockton being the lead point guard or the second point guard behind Magic on the team. There's no comparison, none, between Isaiah and Stockton. Um, Stockton and Malone in this game were three for 12 in the second half with 12 points. Um, you needed a guy, if you're Utah, that could get you buckets. You needed a perimeter, a perimeter player that could get you buckets. Utah did not have that, and it cost them dearly in this game, in particular in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter was a back-and-forth battle for the most part. Uh, it's 81-81 for about two and a half minutes. We're stuck on 81. Jordan's having a big fourth quarter. He's 6 of 10. He's, he ends up scoring 15 points, going 6 for 10. He's getting to the line. Um, so 81-81. Stockton hits a big three to go to make it 84-81. To make it 84-81. Um, then we get to a point where it, the game is tied at 85. Now, this is a stretch that... If you're a Utah fan, 
and you want to turn off the podcast, I don't blame you. Because this is some of the, for a team that was uh, as buttoned up, as organized, as well coached, and, and who executed at the level of the Utah Jazz, this was a rough, rough end of the game. Um, it's 85-85. Jordan's at the line. He's made the, he makes the first free throw to tie it. He misses the second free throw. He gets his own rebound. Somehow, he gets his own rebound despite being at the free throw line. The ball bounces. He gets his own rebound. He passes, gives the ball to Scottie Pippen. He gives, I mean, he didn't pass to Scottie Pippen, but um, he, gets, he passes the ball. He gets it back. And for some, for, for whatever reason, the Utah Jazz decide to rotate on Scottie Pippen and to double team him in the post and leave Michael Jordan wide open for a in rhythm three point shot, nothing but net and uh, Chicago goes up 88-85. Now, I watched that play a number of times still trying to make sense of why, if you're Utah, you would ever, ever in the hit, in, in, and I'm still, I mean, even 20, this is what, 23 years ago, it's still remarkable to me why in the, in God's name, you would ever double-team Scottie Pippen and leave Michael Jordan. Now, if you're, you're talking about double-teaming Michael Jordan and leaving Scottie Pippen for open three, you live with that. But to double-team Michael Jordan, to double-team Scottie Pippen and leave Michael Jordan is one of the dumbest defensive rotations or defensive breakdowns that you will ever see. It, the only one I could think of that was worse or that was on par was it wasn't, I can't even say it was worse, was when Detroit and Rasheed Wallace double-teamed Ginobili on a drive on, on dribble penetration and left Robert Ory for a wide-open three when, the, when Detroit was up by two in a game five at Detroit. That's the only one that I, I can think of, David, that's, that was that bad of a defensive breakdown. Uh, it made zero sense. Um, Stockton came on the rotation, but Stockton is 6'1". Jordan is 6'6". So that Stockton tried to challenge his shot. Jordan was clearly in rhythm, and it was a the, the ball barely touched the net. Barely touching that. Uh, again, Jordan and Stockton in the second half were a horrible. Uh, again, three for twelve between them, twelve points. Uh, Utah's offense in the second, in the fourth quarter was non-existent. Utah scores sixteen points in the fourth quarter. Um, now, 88-85, Utah comes down. To their credit, they get a quick basket. To go to make to close the gap to 88-87. You still have time. Um, 13 seconds left. Chicago inbounds the ball from from the back court, and for whatever reason, that goes that again. I will, will can't make sense of other than just a brain fart. Carl Malone doesn't foul and allows. Not only does Chicago get the ball past half court. 
they get a bat, they get, end up getting a easy bat, easy layup to make it ninety to eighty seven, and you just like Carl Malone's just I, I just like I'm just like Carl Malone and Bill Walton is screaming foul foul like what are you doing? Bill Walton is all over this. I for the life of me, I don't understand what Carl Malone was thinking by not fouling. I believe it was Pippen. That he could have fouled. I believe it was Scottie Pippen that that the ball that caught the inbounds ball pass, and he had to be there for a good three seconds, which is which is an eternity. Like you only need one second to foul somebody if you're close, if you're in the, in the same proximity you know, on the NBA floor. I, you're down by one. Both teams have have missed free throws. I mean, the Chicago have missed have missed a number of free throws. Utah missed free throws, so it, there's no guarantee that they're going to make their free throws. Even Jordan was missing free throws. Just again, I, 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 I don't know what Utah was doing. I, I don't understand what Utah was doing, what the mindset or what. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, so Chicago goes up 90 to 80, 90 to uh 87 um chicago fouls utah stockton it gets stockton gets fouled instead of uh missing instead of making the first and missing the second stockton misses the first free throw makes the second to make it 90 88 and at that point it was game it was only like 29 seconds left it was when he made the free throw it was game set match and Chicago would go on to win um, 90 to 88. Jordan, of course, finishes with 38 points, had 15 points in the fourth quarter, made two critical three-point three, three shots. Uh, again, the clincher, 88 at 85 all. Um, Jordan finished with 38 points, seven rebounds, five assists, 15 in the, in the fourth quarter. You had Carl Malone, 19 points, seven rebounds, six assists. 13 of his 19 points came in the first half. Seven to 17 from the field. He was awful. This was a bad Carl Malone game. It's a bad Carl Malone game, to say the least. And this is, I'm, I'm going to go back to what I said about Isaiah Thomas versus John Stockton. It's no comparison. You put Isaiah Thomas on Utah, they they're winning a championship. They would have beat, they would have won either in '97 or '98. You put prime Isaiah Thomas on the Utah Jazz because you needed because you really think about it. Utah's role players actually played well. Osatag had 13 points and 15 rebounds. Chris Morris had 11 points off the bench. So Utah's role to in a game that wasn't was low scoring, you got what you wanted. I'm telling you, I'm getting double digits out of Chris Morris, and I'm getting 13 from 15, 13 and 15 from from Greg Osatag. I'm cool. At home, I'm, I'm gonna take that. But um, this was a Carl Malone. This is why that when I when I rank power fours, I had to put Charles Barkley over Carl Malone in the big games when it counted the most. Outside of a 39-point game five victory that, that they would have, that Utah had against Chicago a year later in 98, 
Carl Malone came up small in these series against Chicago in the biggest of games. You know, he misses, misses free throw. He missed key free throws in game one, a game that Utah easily could have won in, in this series. They end up losing on, on a Jordan shot at the buzzer. And in this game, he was a non-factor in the fourth quarter. I mean, he was a absolute non. They couldn't even, they could barely even get him the ball. He was taking these crazy jump shots. Um, again, you need someone that can get buckets because Chicago takes you out of your conventional offense. You need someone that can best. You need a, a Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant that can just get buckets when the defense is collapsed that can make tough shots. You need to be against that Chicago defense. You need to be outside the box with your offense, and you need someone that can score in the fourth quarter. And Indiana didn't have that. Utah did not have that. Even Byron Russell made some big, had some big threes. I think Byron Russell had like 14. I want to say Byron Russell had. Yeah, Byron Russell had, well, you know, 11.7 rebounds. But again, Byron Russell has a guard, John. He has a guard. Um, Byron Russell has the guard, Jordan. So he's not going to score a lot having to guard Michael Jordan. Not a good game for Jeff Hornacek, only seven points. He was he was awful um, in this game. A lot of, you know, some great, some fun individual matchups to watch that were funny. The Bison Dele, the late Bison Dele versus Carl Malone was funny. Uh, Stockton and Steve Kerr going at it, getting physical. Apparently, Phil Jackson challenged Steve Kerr's manhood from game four, saying Stockton was pushing him around. And Steve Kerr took exception to that and basically and, and was dragged Stockton to the floor in one play. Uh, so that was fun to watch. Um, listen, the Jordan performance, um, again, it was a great performance. He made all the big shots. How sick he was, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, again, I, I don't. I, I can't. I, I can't sit up here and say that. Just you know, you know, when you watch, when you go back and watch the Knicks, Lakers. I think it was seventy three, the Willis Reed game. You know Willis Reed is hurt. He's limping. He scores the first four points. Uh, and actually play, I don't know, play like 20 minutes in that game, but you clear, you clearly, that's the, 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 the game where Walt Clifford had like 36 and 19 and destroyed Jerry West in game seven against uh, Will and Jerry West. But you know, you know that uh, Willis Reed is hurt. The Isaiah Thomas game, game six in 88, the ankle, he twists his ankle on one leg, scores 25 points in the third quarter of that game, goes crazy, has like 40, you know, like 47, something like that. You know Isaiah Thomas is hurt. You know he's playing on one leg, one ankle. There's no, there's no two ways about it. This game, I don't think, like, I'm not going, like, I'm not going to say Michael Jordan would ever fake an injury. But... I think this this performance, as far as flu game, was 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 overblown a bit. It really was. It was a little bit overblown. Jordan hits the shot, 
to go up 85, 88, 85. And Scottie Pippen carries him to the to the to the bench, his arm around him, and Jordan just goes into you know, this mode right here. Which by the way, throughout the course of the game, he straight face was in a full ladder of sweat, just focused. And we, like I said, you would not have been able to tell that he was sick. Uh, who's once he hits he hit that shot, you know, he, he plays up the theatrics and, and what have you. And, um, again, he made made the big shot, um, made the big plays and saved saved um, saved Chicago in that fourth quarter. Pippen had some nice post-ups in the third quarter, had a big, nice third quarter. Um, and and uh, really, that really changed uh, the complexion offensively for offensively for Chicago when they started posting Pippen up. Um, Utah offensively was non-existent in the second half. Uh, Utah, you know, the fourth quarter again, Chicago completely takes Utah out of their offense. And again, that's what I'm saying. At that point, you need somebody to score the basketball. John Scott Stockton was not a scorer. He was a guy who was a, a the, at that point, for the most part, outside Magic Johnson, the best assist man in, in in the best assist man in basketball. Now he had more assists than Magic total, but in terms of per game, Magic Johnson has, averages more assists than anybody in the history of basketball per game. Look up the stats. But Stockton's job was to set everybody up. He would hit. He would hit. He was a very good shooter, above average shooter. When he got open jump shots, he could make an open shot, open three-pointer. But that was it. Stockton was not going to get you 25 or 30 points in the game. And you needed somebody. You needed a perimeter player to get 20 to 25 in this game uh, to offset what Carl Malone didn't do and to kind of stabilize what Michael Jordan did do in scoring 38 points. Michael Jordan outscored Carl Malone and John Stockton combined in this game, 38 to 32. Okay. If you're Utah, fourth quarter offense was a issue in this series. Games four, in games five and six, they would lose game six as well. And back in Chicago, Utah scored 16 points in the fourth quarter also in that game. This is a game that if you're a Utah fan, that you're gonna be will be kicking you'll be kicking yourselves forever. Because I'm telling you right now, in, in doing these last two Chicago classics, these 98 and 90, these 97 and 98 Chicago teams were beatable. They were absolutely beatable. 96, they were unbeatable. The first three championships, those teams were basically unbeatable. These last two Chicago teams were absolutely were were, were right for the picking. Absolutely right for the picking. And again, Carl Malone coming up small when it counted the most. You have game five in your building. And I like what Bill Walton said. Bill Walton said, you, Carl Malone, and Dennis Rodman was not good in this game. And then, like, you really, Dennis Rodman, the last two championship runs, 97, 98, wasn't good. Honest with you. He was he was not good. Matter of fact, they were there was talk during the broadcast when they were talking about who would be back for next year for '98 that they were there was talk. The consensus was that Rodman would not be back, and there were times where 
where they were where Bison Daly was on the floor and Chicago looked like they were a better team with Bison Daly on the floor instead of Rob. Now I know that they had some lineups where they had right where they had Robin and Bison Daly. But by my overall point is Robin was not good. It was not good in this series. It wasn't good in, in this game. So Carl Malone going up against Bison Daly and and you know Dennis Rodman who he should have been destroying those dudes. Should have been killing those dudes. No, it's not like you're going up against. Think about the the power forwards that Tim Duncan and had to go up against in his prime. You know, Kevin Durant. It was Kevin. Uh, Kevin. Excuse me. Kevin Garnett, Rasheed Wallace, Antonio McDice, Chris Webber, Dirk Nowitzki. So. To me, um, I look at how Carl Malone played against the Bulls versus how, say, Charles Barkley played against the Bulls. It's not, it's no compare, it's not a comparison. It's not it really not a comparison. And Charles Barkley doesn't have a Hall of Fame point guard. Well, I mean, Kevin Johnson, I, my Kevin Johnson, and John Stockton. It's not a big difference because I like Kevin Johnson, but still, you rather you rather have John Stockton than Kevin Johnson. So um, that was a game that uh, Utah will be kicking themselves for a long time. And that you really look back on it now, that was as close that Utah would ever come to winning a championship. A year later, they were down 3-1 to Chicago. They came back one game five, but lost game six, of course, with the famous shot, uh, the pose. And we're going to do that game, by the way. That'll probably be the last game we do, game six, 98, 98 finals. But um, 2-2, fourth quarter lead, 13-point lead in your building, series tied at two, Utah would never come closer to winning a championship. And to me, I got to look at the fact that they just did not have that perimeter player that could get bat- that could get buckets. That is the re- that's to me the single re- – and between that and Carl Malone's coming up short, those are the two biggest reasons why Utah could not get over the hump against a, against a Chicago team that was ripe for the picking in 97 as well as 98. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Real Deal Podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day. I will see you next time. I'm out.